0: Right there, halfway is no way to live, right? It is all or nothing. So it says, quit holding back, quit holding out. It's time to go all in and all out for God. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast.
1: It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word.
0: Father, thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for every person that's here, uh, Lord. Once again, like we pray all the time, God, you got a plan and a purpose for our lives, and uh, Lord, it is our heart to be in agreement with you and to be uh, functioning in the active part, God, of that plan. Lord, we don't want to drag our feet, Lord. We don't want to, uh, you know, sit down and whine and complain, Lord. We want to get going where you're going, and so, Lord, we just pray today that God that our hearts would be wide open, God, for what you want to say and what you want to do, Lord. We thank you today for just uh, releasing your life in your light, God, in this place today. Father, we thank you and praise you today, God, that the light is definitely greater than the darkness that's in this region. And Father, we believe that you want to do great things. And Lord, we, we just say, Lord, we want to partner with you. We don't want to miss out. We want to go with you in Jesus name. So Holy Spirit, thank you for being here today and do what you do best and let's change our lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Listen, I want to actually, um, Focus on a few things today that that really stuck out to me last week while I was preaching. In other words, I, you know, while I was preaching, there were things that were just man, I just they kept popping up. And and if I'm being honest with you, I have had a really, really, really difficult time shaking those things this week. And in fact, if you've if you're here today and you've preached some, I know we have some ex senior pastors in the room and, and other ministers. But but if if you if you've ever been to the spot and you know what I'm talking about, it's like you, you know that you that this is here, and it's like it won't leave you alone, but you, you keep looking for something else because that you don't really want to talk about that, and, but you kind of keep coming back to that. That's kind of where I'm at today. So, um, you, you know, the, the best way I can kind of word this is that this is one of those, from a pastor's viewpoint, where, where you feel like you, you're telling the flock, look, you need to guard your heart with all diligence. Okay, so it's one of those kind of messages. It's not fun. It's not cute. It's straightforward. And, uh, but I believe it's the real deal. and, And I honestly believe that God wants to say some things to some people. And, uh, so let's just open our hearts. Amen. All right, so I want to begin today by uh, actually reading a question that Jesus asked a crowd of people in Luke 18, 8. This is in the context of the the persistent widow. He's teaching about prayer, but then he just throws this question out at the very end. It's almost just like a two-by-four hitting you in the face, but he says this. It says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man, talking about himself, comes, or when Jesus returns, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find, a lot of translations say, will he really find persistent faith on the earth? And I want us to notice today that Jesus, uh, he he didn't say he's looking for a crisis faith. He didn't say he's looking for a passive faith or even a, a special occasions faith or maybe a compromising faith or even, bless God, a Sunday morning kind of faith, right? He clearly said he was looking for a persistent faith. Now, Here's kind of the way I look at this, that if, that if Jesus walked in this room at this moment, he began to take a, a thorough evaluation of our hearts and minds. Uh, I really wonder what he would find. Would he find that kind of faith in us? Would he find persistent faith there? What would he find, right? So, so you know, to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, especially as a pastor who's responsible for people, that's a really sobering thought. Yes. It's a really sobering thought, and, and the reason, you know, the things that keep grabbing a hold of me are, are, are two things, and, and these are things I'm really concerned about, but, but two things don't miss here. The, the part that really concerns me about this question is this, is that we, we live in a day and time where people inside and outside of the church, they just admire Jesus. And what I mean by that is they admire his teachings, they admire his character, they admire his miracles, they admire, admire his sacrifice, but they've never really went beyond the proverbial head nod in Jesus's direction. And, and, you know, the only thing I can kind of attribute this to is that somehow in some way uh, these people have confused of what real faith in Jesus is with a mental acknowledgement of Jesus, you get that? That that a real faith in Jesus versus a mental acknowledgement of Jesus. In other words, they think that they're one and the same. And I'm here to tell you today, they are not. Right. In fact, I can say this from experience. All throughout my junior high and high school years, I had a really good mental acknowledgement of Jesus. I knew He was the Son of God. I knew He existed. I knew He believed, but it never really went beyond that. And what happened was, is when I actually started going to church, what I did is I embraced basically a uh, an ideology. I had a mental conversion. I didn't have a heart conversion, right? I just, uh, you know, what I mean by ideology is that this is that I had just good morals. I tried to clean up my life on my own and I tried to get good but the problem is is I didn't have a, a you know a personal intimate living breathing relationship with the person Jesus Christ himself yes, yes? And, and I and I'm here to tell you today that I wholeheartedly believe that that's where a large part, part of the American church is at yes. right and it and it's kind of this thing if we can grab a hold of this today is that is that the truth is is we don't believe or we don't follow God with our heads Right. Listen, listen, faith never has and it never will operate from our minds. It flows from our hearts. Right. In fact, Romans 10 says it clearly. It says this, that we confess with our mouth and we believe with our heart. Right. We know that Proverbs three echoes this when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own. Understanding Now, it doesn't mean that our mind checks out. Thank God we get the mind of Christ. Thank God that we renew our minds and all those things. But, but everything that really, as far as the heart and the passion of everything, really comes from our heart with God. In fact, I'll say this, that, that in the Hebrew language, that the heart is actually considered a throne. Did you know that? That, that, that literally, it's, it's the seed, it's the throne of our heart. And maybe if I can say it this way, and it kind of goes into the next one. But, but, but the way I see it is that in every person's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And, and people who have basically a, an admiration of Jesus, he's still on the cross and they're sitting on the throne. Right? But the bottom line is, the, the goal is, is to do what? It's to swap. My Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Right? And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? But, but the point is is this, is that sometime, in some way, we got to uh, get off of our throne, and we need to go over there, and we need to get on our cross. Because at the end of the day, we're the ones that got to die. He's alive. We sang it this morning. Yeah right? So the second thing that really concerns me, I think about people today, and this is mainly inside the church, and is this, is that they have inverted the gospel. Now what I mean by that, and I'm not trying to be a grumpy old man this morning, but, but listen, that they've, they've inverted the gospel. Here's what I mean, that, that these people think they are following Jesus, but in all reality, they've invited Jesus to follow them. That's really the American church. Listen, that they call him Savior, but they've never surrendered their lives. And here's the key word, completely to him. They've never really made him Lord. They've never really given him ownership. They've never really handed over the keys and said, look, man, you're in charge. Right? The truth is, is we like being in charge. Yeah? Yeah. We like determining how we worship. We like determining how when we pray. We like determining uh, what rules we'll say with that, you know, here's the convictions I'll live by. No, no, listen, guys. Stop saying that. In, in, uh, I'm trying to. I don't want to be mean. Look, quit saying stupid things like this. Well, I'm not convicted about that. Is it in the Bible? Then live accordingly. Plain and simple. L- listen, the, the, maybe you're not convicted It's because your heart is, uh, is kind of uh, sealed off and seared in that area. And you need God to soften it. Right, It should be that way. Yes? Listen, I think it's this, that, that basically when it comes to these people that have inverted the gospel, that, that basically they'll tell you that they're following Jesus, but, but if you actually step back and begin to take a closer look at their lives, you'll find that it's really all about them. And, and what I mean by that, it's all about their desires, it's all about their needs, their wants, their plans, their time, their money, their talent, their abilities. Everything revolves around them. And, and, and here's the thing. It's like you sit back and you go, man, man where, does, where does Jesus fit into all of this? Right? And, and the answer is this is, well, it's, it's, it's what? It's his job to deliver, of course. And here's what I mean by that is this, is that after all, they sit back. Isn't that why he exists? Isn't it his job as God of the universe who said he loves me to make me happy and to make me comfortable? <laughs> what book are you reading? <laughs> Yeah, so listen, I I'm not saying that 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 this and this is where I'm really hoping that our hearts be open today. And I'm not picking on anybody, but I know some of this is strong and I'm trying to evaluate my own life in this. But 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 I'm not saying that these people don't um, seek Jesus. I'm just saying that they don't seek him first. What I'm saying is, is that they have elevated their own happiness and their own comfort above their obedience, right? In in this sense that they've bought in to the benefit package, but they haven't sold out, right? That that they keep following Jesus at a really comfortable distance because it's this, it's this, man, if I do really what the Bible says, ah, it's a little overboard. I'm not really sure I'm up for that radical stuff. The last time I read my Bible, right, is nobody gets in there unless they really screwed up or they really went radical, Right? And so the people that Jesus brags on, they all went pretty radical. Yes? Making some of y'all feel uncomfortable. L- listen, if, if you're feeling, on serious note, if you're feeling uncomfortable, it's because it's for you. Yeah? Right. yeah? yeah. It, it, l- listen, that, that there's a, um, we were praying a while ago in the office, and I, I just realized, here, here's what today's really going to be happening. And I'm, I know you're seeing a little different side of OPQ today, but it's all right. Is that there's a wrestling match going on. And, and, and listen, uh, of, of my will versus his will. Amen. And what do we want? L- listen, you, if you're breathing and if you love Jesus, you've had that. Amen. Every one of us have had that. And if you walk with Jesus long enough, you've had it many times, Amen. right? But, but there's this thing that today my hope is, is if you go all the way back, I think it's Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestled Jesus. And, and obviously, we know that Jesus won. That's my hope today that Jesus would win in your life. And and watch this, and I don't mean to be crude, and, uh, you know, ladies, you may feel like this is uncomfortable, and I apologize for that, kind of. (laughs) But is this what fascinates me about that story is this and I really don't mean to be crude here, but I want you to get an idea, is that, when, is that when Jacob actually wrestled, who we know what was a Christophany, it was Christ in the flesh, right? That, that when he wrestled him, uh, or sorry, Christ appearing, that when he wrestled him, and we actually know it says that he knocked his hip out, when you actually read it in the Hebrews, it actually means he punched him in the nuts. Sorry if that offends somebody. Fellas, you're like, yeah, right? So, <laughs> been there, that hurts. But, but here's the significance of that, and here's why I'm saying that, is because, because we know it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that's where, what the Israelites came out of. And what happened was is that God literally had to punch him in his seed because he had to change his seed because there was a nation in there. And he had to change a nation, right? And I'm telling you today that, listen, you're, there's people in this room that you're one decision away from a, a different life for yourself. But, but greater than that, you're one decision away from changing generations that follow you. That's right. That's right. right? And if I can maybe dare to say part of some of why your kids struggle and all of that and they're on the fence and all that is because you're on the fence. Amen. Listen, and I, and I do know one thing. If you try to run on one side of the fence, one leg on one side, one side, of the leg, it's going to hurt sooner or later. Amen. Moving on, I'm being too much of a dude today. All right, here we go. But but listen, th- this is this is really my greatest concern with with uh, this last group of people that basically have inverted the gospel, made it all about themselves and not about Him. And it's not that God doesn't want us to be to enjoy happiness and to have joy and all. It's, it, and he's not a killjoy, but 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 that comes from really walking with Him. Yes. So, so, but my greatest concern is simply this, is that, that if Jesus walked in the room and he asked you to abandon everything like he did with the rich young ruler in, in Luke 18, you know, I'm afraid that there's people that would walk away from Jesus because they love their life and they love their stuff more than they love him. Yeah. L- listen, I, I have prayed, man, thousands of times, the bottom line, Jesus, my life is not my own. God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I'll say whatever you want me to say, and I have meant that, right? And, uh, and I have been in a lot of uncomfortable situations, but I knew in those uncomfortable situations I was smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Yeah, and so listen, today as we just make a decision here today in our hearts that we're going man, I'm going to guard my heart with all diligence. Man, that Bible is a heart book before it's a brain book, right? deals with my heart. And and so, so, so if I'm going to guard my heart today, I got to remember this, that that Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul in the process? Right? And so listen, we, we, we live in a day and age that says, man, go for the nicer, newer, fancier, go, go for all these things. And man, I tell here to tell you that uh, they don't satisfy. Amen. So, so listen, remember today that Jesus said this, and I really want to say this. I'll get more direct with this. With people who trust their money more than they trust Jesus, that, that Jesus clearly said you cannot serve two masters. Okay? You'll either love one or hate the other, right? But you can't serve two. You can't have allegiance to both of them. And so now, now listen, is God about money? Yeah, Jesus talked about money all the time. And so he gives us money to be good stewards, not to, not to serve it. <laughs> yeah? Money serves us. We don't serve money. Yes? So, so listen, Jesus also said this. He said to, to take up your cross, not in a crisis, but take up your cross daily. And do what? And follow him. Right? And, and that's what the Bible says. And then he says this, that whoever loses his life will save it, but whoever tries to save his life, he will lose it. Right? And then lastly, he just simply said this. He said what? He said to, to serve him, not the other way around. Y'all, we got to quit acting like God's here to serve us. Amen. Amen. Right. Yes? Not mad at you. <laughs> Listen, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Mark uh, Batterson when he said this. We're going to throw a quote up here. But he said this, and if you get nothing out of a day, get the first line. Halfway is no way to live. Right. Yeah. Plain and simple. Halfway is no way to live. Uh, man, it's either all in or nothing, right, truly, with the gospel, right? In fact, let me maybe stop here. I, I remember when my brother who uh, made a lot of poor choices in life. You know, I'd been saved a handful of years, whatever, and i have been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, uh, thinking, dear Jesus, please save my brother Brandon. Please, right? Anyways, one day, I told y'all a story before, I think, I might said last week or a few weeks ago, uh, that he, he decided, him and his wife had a kid, and he said, well, let's go to church for the kids' sake, not really for their sake. And uh, anyway, so one day in church, uh, she went down to the altar, and he went down to the altar to support her, and he got rocked in the process. I told you guys that a few weeks ago. And, and I remember my brother, man, I'm telling y'all. He, he devoured the Bible when he first gave his life to Jesus, absolutely devoured it. I mean, he was, he was, you know, our family, we're kind of all in and nothing kind of people anyways, right? We kind of have that, that personality, but my brother definitely goes all in. And I remember uh, sitting with my stepdad one day, who's now saved, who wasn't saved then. He said, you know, Quentin, I'm just kind of concerned about Brandon, I, I said, well, well, why is that? He said, he said I, I just feel like he's, he's kind of going overboard with this stuff. <laughs> right? That, that he's just, just kind of going too far. He's taking it too serious. In other words, it's almost like, hey, reel it in a little bit, bro. Be getting, you know, you don't need to go that way. But I'm telling you, man, right there, halfway is no way to live. Right? It is all or nothing. So it says, quit holding back. Quit holding out. It's time to go all in and all out for God. If Jesus hung on his cross for us, the least we can do is carry our cross for him. And the good news is this if you don't hold out on God, God won't hold out on you. That is so true. In reality, no one has ever truly sacrificed anything for God because the eternal reward always outweighs the temporal discomfort. It says kneeling at the foot of the cross of Christ and surrendering to his lordship is a radical act of dethroning yourself and enthroning Christ as king. It says nothing belongs to you, not even you. And I remind you today that we were bought with the what the blood of jesus right we were bought for the price right you see it's kind of this if you can grab a hold of this and this is so true that that basically the real adventures with god don't really kick in until we go all in they don't i'm telling you the, the, listen to me y'all when you go all in with jesus it's a blast it's a blast. That's God honest truth. I'm not, saying this, it, I'm not saying there's no struggles, but it's a blast, right? There's so much fun that happens. You go, holy smokes, God, you, you are incredible, yes. right? But, but the thing is, is if we don't go all in, we never get to enjoy that fun stuff. Life will constantly be this struggle of, oh, God, I hope I can make, if I can just get to the other side. I, that's not the way we're supposed to live. Eternal life is now, right? Not some other, you know, hopefully we'll get there one day. So so I just have a quick question, really, with all of this, and we'll move on. But, but I want to ask you today, have you gone all in? Have you gone all in? I know that's making some of y'all feel really uncomfortable, and I'm glad. Have you gone all in? Have you abandoned it all? Have you given it all? Have you burned the ships? Have you went all in with Jesus? Right? All right, so listen, now you can go sleep. All right, but here we go. <laughs> So for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I actually want to dive into a story that's found in Luke 19. And I want to show you a guy who basically admired Jesus from a safe distance. And, uh, you know, if you've been in church a while, you've, you've heard the story. You even got a song attached to it. If Jim was up here and not with the kids, I'd get her to sing it. But anyways, but I want to tell you a story about a guy that admired Jesus from a distance so he went from that to going all in with him. And I kind of hope that we'll kind of find ourselves in the story today and uh, we'll kind of see what Jesus expects from us. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. When we read the first 10 verses, we're going to pause uh, quite a bit as we go through it. Y'all ready? ready. Amen. It says this, as Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town, verse 2, there was a man named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, make, make uh, remember, God doesn't give details for no reason. All right. So I want us to notice a few things. The first thing I want us to see is this, that history tells us that uh, Jericho was actually a prosperous trade city uh, that served as a hub, literally cities like Jerusalem, Damascus, uh, Caesarea, and Egypt. In other words, if you were going to get to those places, you had to go through there, right? So this is only really important to the story when we actually pull back and we realize that Jericho, which was a, uh, a Jewish city, was actually uh, in oppression and under the rule of the Roman Empire, Okay, and this does connect to where we're going, okay? Uh, this meant this, basically that that uh, high traffic where people were constantly going in and out of this hub, in and out of this city, in and out, it made the perfect place for the Roman Empire to decide that they were going to do what? That they were going to enforce and they were going to collect all of their taxes, right? And we could say it, all their ridiculous amount of taxes, right? So as you can expect, the Jews who actually lived in Jericho and who were coming through in and out of Jericho, these guys hated paying taxes, especially to this country that, that oppressed them. Can I say here, here? Listen, nevertheless, what? These guys had to keep ponying up, right? Constantly. It was down their throat. They had to constantly, every time they turned around, they had to give something. Now, that's where the tax collectors come in because Tax collectors, these guys weren't just, oh, those are tax collectors. No, these guys were sellouts and traitors to the Jewish people. And here's why I say that is because these guys were actually Jews themselves, and they abandoned their people to actually go work for the Roman Empire. Yeah? So, so let, me, let me kind of give it to you like this. For you guys that have been in the military, it's like somebody that used to fight with you going to the enemy side and now fighting against you. Right? That's what these guys did. They were mercenaries. Right? And so literally that these guys partnered with the Romans and doing what? In oppressing their own people. And so, listen, their job was to do this. Their job was to collect all the taxes. Watch this. They collected income tax, import tax, export tax, property tax, crop tax, sale tax, emergency tax, fuel tax. I'm just kidding. Anyways, but (laughs) I was getting bitter. Anyways. (laughs) Listen, and to make matters worse, here's what these guys did. These tax collectors, uh, they were notorious for doing this. They were notorious for coming to somebody, and they would say this. They would literally ask for more money than what was required. So in other words, they knew what the Roman Empire wanted, but they would come and they would ask for more, because what happened was is they would take all that money that they got, and they would go give it to the Roman guy, the amount that they were supposed to get, and then they would pocket the rest. Sneaky, sneaky. Right? So literally that these guys were sitting here and they were, you know, they were crooked, they were intimidated and, uh, but all their tactics, man, they were getting rich and they were sending all the rest of their people into poverty. Now watch this because of this, once again, as you can expect, these guys were hated. Yeah. And they were treated similar to the worst kind of sinners uh, in the Jewish culture. In fact, uh, the basically history tells us that the, that the Pharisees did not even consider these people as humans. That's how low that they viewed them. And so as you can expect, in spite of of these tax collectors being some of the richest people in town, they were also some of the lowliest people in town. Why? Uh, Because they were at the bottom of the Jewish society, right? They were at the bottom rung, right? So watch this. Going back to our story here, notice that Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector it meant that that he sat in the seat where all the other tax collectors went out and beat everybody up right and brought the money back and they gave it to him and then guess what he got to decide what he gave to the Romans and what he put in his pocket and the Bible says he got very rich off that right and so kind of as you can expect uh, not only did they hate all those other tax collectors but man all their hate really came back to this one dude Man, out of all of them. Why? Because he's in charge of all those guys. He's telling them what to do. So they hated that guy more than anybody in Jericho. That He was literally, I think it's safe to say, probably the hated, most hated man in Jericho. Right? So now, obviously to understand, just a little context, we understand something about this fella. As him being the chief tax collector, that meant that basically that, that he probably wasn't a young guy. And I'm saying that simply to say this, because a lot of times the older we get, the more uh, settled we get in our ways right? So here's an old guy that, that, that clearly uh, had worked really hard, clearly was really driven and he was at the top of his game. I mean, he had the best seat in the house, right? And listen, I could be wrong, but here's the way I pictured this guy. I see him as being a guy that's super confident in his leadership ability. I, I see him as someone who's, who's satisfied and almost arrogant when it comes to his achievements, right? We've never met that guy. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I see him as being shrewd, as being harsh, uh, with his tactics, dealing with people. And I see him as being super greedy. In fact, he was, a uh, a taker in every sense of the word you ever met a person like that 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 listen that he was that he was selfish and uncaring I think this guy was self-sufficient watch this self-sufficient yet lonely self-sufficient uh or sorry self-centered yet empty and self-dependent yet longing for something more and I believe that it was out of that emptiness out of that longing for more that caused him to do what it says in verse three in other words, he was a really unsatisfied person. The truth is, is when you're a selfish individual and you live for yourself, you're pretty miserable. Yeah. Right? And, and that's why, let's go back and let's keep it in context. Why, uh, that's why I believe so many people in America, if, if they come to church and they're not entertained, yeah. because Jesus is no longer enough. And the reason is because they're selfish and they live for themselves, they made the gospel about themselves, and they're really empty. Yeah. Yeah. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. So true. Listen, so watch verse 3. Here's what he did out of that emptiness. It says that he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. It says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. In other words, this is a tree that's that's sturdy and it's wide it's got really low limbs. It was easy for him to bounce on up there, okay? And uh, and so it says this, I'm one short fellow to another, right? So, So it says basically a tree that was beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. I love that, for Jesus was going to pass that way, okay? Now, there's no doubt that when you look at this story that Zacchaeus had an admiration for Jesus. And, and, and you know, I don't know, I'm totally guessing here. It might be because the last time Jesus rolled to town, the Bible says that he healed a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. And, and, you know, just maybe out of that admiration of what this guy can do, uh, he thought, man, today maybe I can just catch a miracle, Right. And and so I think that whatever it was, his admiration got him up that tree. But but I don't think that he ever expected that uh, anything more would happen other than just seeing Jesus kind of at a distance. Right. And uh, so his expectation was really low. Now, if I can add something here, I think there's something really interesting about this portion of Scripture. Uh, Historians tell us that uh, that Jesus had just crossed over the Jordan River right? And he came into Jericho, but watch this. This is significant. Uh, he came through Jericho because he was on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. So literally, this was his last time in Jericho uh, because we know that right after this, he was arrested, and, uh, and he was crucified, and he was killed. Okay? Now, I say that only to say this. Um, I couldn't help but to think when I read that, that, that what if that day Zacchaeus would have thought to himself, you know, I, I'm really too busy to go see this fellow named Jesus, right? That, that, that's kind of like this, man. Man, it's Tuesday. My to-do list is slammed. I got 53 families I got to go shake down for money today. And besides that, man, listen, the, the, the crowd is going to be crazy. Every time Jesus rolls through here, man, people go, they lose their mind, right? And so he said, I, you know, man, I don't want to bother. Man, I, I'll just go see him the next time he comes through. Listen, what would happen if he had had that mentality that day? Now listen, he'd have missed this day of opportunity. He'd have missed his moment. Now now, what in the world does that have to do with us? It's because the question is, how many God encounters have we missed? Because it was an inconvenient time and we didn't want to be bothered. Y- y'all look at me, please. Please look at me. Um, if you walk with God in this room, you know what it's like to, uh, to have God. You're sitting there watching TV. And you start feeling that, phew, phew, go pray. Yeah. Go pray. Anybody ever had that? Yeah? yeah? Two of us. That's good. <laughs> Anybody ever had that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She should ask Jesus for that. How, how many times have we been laying in bed at night and we feel, phew, phew, phew. Yeah. you need to go pray, right? And, and listen, for us that have that obeyed that moment of taking that opportunity and didn't see it as an inconvenience, man, it's been pretty incredible. Right. That, 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 if, I, if I may add a something here, okay. That that think about it when that doom, doom happens. The God of the universe is inviting you to come be with Him. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty intentional. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason He wants you to come. Either there's some business at hand, or He just wants to hang out with you. Yeah. Right. And if you get in there, you'll you'll know shortly. Yes. <laughs> um, So, but I think this, man, how many times have even this, being honest, as a pastor, how many times have I been in situations where I'm like, man, God really moved today. And then I go home, and and once again, you know, I don't don't think about this a lot, but just, you just go, man, so-and-so wasn't there, so-and-so wasn't there, so-and-so wasn't there. Man, they're going through this situation. They could have probably used that. And then you think, man, how many, you know, it's a sunny day. Let's go to the lake. I'm not saying the condemnation-wise. I'm just saying, man, when Jesus says, come, come. Yes. yes, please, come. Watch this, verse 5. It says this, when Jesus came by, watch this, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Now, kind of get ahead of myself here, but, but I think it's really funny that he called him by name because some theologians believe that actually Zacchaeus was a church boy gone rogue. And here's why I say that, because when you stop and actually look it's what Zacchaeus means, clearly in that day and time, listen, I got four kids. I was very intentional in how I named them. Yes. I didn't just throw a name out there and go, ah, that's good, we'll go with it, <laughs> right? No, there was a lot of prayer. What do we name our kids? And that's very much in the Jewish culture. And, and believe it or not, that his parents actually named him Zacchaeus because it means this. It means righteous one. It means pure. It means innocent. It means everything he wasn't. Right. But yet Jesus called him by name because Jesus knew what he was called to be. Right. And so, listen, I I just think it's kind of funny when you stop and think about that. Zacchaeus thought that, man, I'm going to climb this tree in some attempt to see Jesus. But in reality, who was seeking who this day? (laughs) Who was seeking who? Right. And 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 it's this that uh, Zacchaeus, he didn't really understand that, man, the father and the son had already scheduled the appointment. He just didn't know it. I actually heard a preacher say one time, uh, and I thought this was pretty incredible. I went on saying this today, but 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 talking about an appointment with God, he, he actually talked about a scenario that somehow that, you know, in this town that maybe, you know, the the, the sycamore uh, sea got caught on the, I don't know, the hill of a donkey or whatever and it was walking through town and it was all the mud and that thing dropped off and then then uh, you know, how many years did it take for that tree to grow? And then, he talk about angels going on to Simon, actually guarding the seed, the sapling as it grew. Let's protect it. Hopefully, nobody cuts it down. Hopefully, nobody. Right? It grows why? Because God has an appointment, yeah. right? L- listen, God. God is yes, a God that's way back there, but He's a God way up there, and He really knows what's going to happen. We just got to roll with Him. Yeah. yeah? So, so listen, it's, it, all in all, I, what I'm trying to say is that it was this day that, man, that Jesus had an appointment with the chief of sinners in Jericho. He went for the worst of the worst, right? Absolute worst of the worst. And, and I think it's pretty awesome that regardless of what all those other Jews thought about Zacchaeus, Jesus clearly saw something more. Yeah. He saw something more. Once again, he saw who he was supposed to be, that there was a name, uh, sate that was there, and that Jesus knew it, and he came to call that thing out. To to understand that his last assignment, we don't know of anything else he did on that last trip through Jericho, but that was important enough. Yes? Yes? So let's continue to read. He said this. He says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down, I must be a guest in your home today. I must be, that shows assignment. I must be in your home today, right? Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Can I, you know, if I can just stop, can you imagine the guy's surprise? Everybody else acts like the dude doesn't exist. You ever felt like that? So, so even, listen, even, um, tradition tells us that when when the pharisees would come and they would give their money they wouldn't even look at them because they thought they looked at them they'd be sinning and so what they would do they would literally take their coin and they would throw it and they would spit at them and move on so that's what they lived with right by choice obviously they're traitors all right so verse seven it says but the people were displeased It says, that's what they said, man, he is going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled, right? They're at it again. Verse 8 says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. He stood before the Lord. This actually means that he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus over a meal. They sit down and they ate together. And here's what he said after having that meal. He said, he stood up and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And then notice what he calls Jesus next, Lord. Lord. See the difference? Not just he's he's Lord. He's man. I'm giving you ownership in this moment. And he says, "If I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much." So I want you to notice this reform taker was doing the exact opposite of what he was known and hated for. He was giving. He was giving. So so listen. It's kind of this thing when you actually stop and look at what they were called to give in restitution when they did that, he went four times. He went way beyond what he should have done, uh, you know, in accordance to the law. And if you notice, Jesus never said, whoa, hold on, buddy, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes, man. You're getting a little too overboard with this thing. You're, you're, you're borderline that radical stuff. You better slow down. No, 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 no. Notice what, what Jesus said to him in verse 9. He says, It says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. In other words, what we just saw was the real thing. Am I making sense? Am I making sense, y'all? Please, I'm, I'm I'm trying to help us here, okay? That salvation has come to his home today, for this man has shown, right? Faith without works is dead, right? This man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In other words, he just stepped into his true identity, so what was really going on here is this: is is uh, here's what's happening. Zacchaeus, after one encounter with Jesus, he went once again from admiring him in the tree to going all in, yeah. right? And and it's this: so when you stop and you go, forget you know the mental version, but when you get a real heart conversion, uh, man, you can't help but to talk different, act different, uh, handle your business different, treat people different, you know, handle your possession different, because when you go all in, everything changes, yeah. right? Are, am I making sense, you guys? Today, are you hearing me? L- listen, when we really give our lives to Jesus, everything changes. And and you know, th- I, I'll say this, not to throw a rock at anybody, but one day I was I was in, uh, I believe I was in Houston, I think I was in Houston. I was walking through a parking lot of a, of a hotel, and and I looked to my left, and there was a, a car there with a bumper sticker, and I I was at a I was at a conference uh, about evangelism. And, and on the on the sticker, it just said this. It said, "If you were basically put on trial today for your belief, for however it is, for your belief for your Christianity, for your convictions, whatever, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Yeah. Right? Listen, I am all about uh, relational evangelism, right? I believe that we should have all, we should all have friends that don't know Jesus. We should. Yeah. Yes, uh, we, we, We're not called to isolate ourselves and live like monks. All right. We're called to be among people and be Jesus to people. Okay. And, 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 and can I ask something when you're around all those people, it's not, I'm blessed, highly favored of the Lord, glory to God, shout hallelujah, praise God. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. L- listen for the kingdom of God, be normal. Yeah. Please be normal. Okay. Yeah. Some of y'all scare me. Okay. So, um, uh, but, but, but listen, so we believe in that, but at the same time, listen, Is there enough difference about how I at least carry myself? Am I different than them? Because I should be. Right? So, So just a kind of thought for you here before we move on. Have you ever thought about the impact of what happened to Zacchaeus that day? It says that he went to his home. Clearly he had a nice home. He was a rich guy. He probably had a wife and some kids there that loved getting the money. Right? Getting their things. And, uh, you know, it was worth it. And, and at the end of the day that man, he said, Hey, I got to, uh, maybe I need to surrender my comfort here. Yeah. He surely, he was comfortable. Yeah. Right. And then at the same time, you thought about the impact that not just with his family getting saved, cause it says salvation came to this home. But, but can you imagine when the, when the worst guy in town gives his life to Jesus? and changes literally that all those people that he had influence over all those people that worked for him that he said hey here's the tattoo you need today you, a tattoo you're going today you know you're going to chuck's house and you know chuck's a little hard so you need to jack him up a little bit <laughs> punch him in the mouth right can you imagine i'm, I'm being serious stop for a second and go think about what happened in that city from that one dude getting saved listen jesus didn't pick out the worst for the worst for no reason Yes? Can, can, can I also add this to this? Wherever we picked up this belief that, you know, whoever we think is the most influential person in town, well, God couldn't reach them. They got money. That dude had a lot of money.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Why not, why, literally, why not get a holy sabotage going on and start praying for that individual? Yeah, that's right. And say, God, can you save him? Because there might be an appointment for him too one day. Yes? yes? All right, let's see if we can land this thing. First 10, last one and we'll be done. It says, then Jesus tells, uh, basically Zacchaeus this. I love it. He told him the real purpose of their meeting. Verse 10 says, for the son of man has come to do what? To seek and save that which was lost. And uh, if I could just add one thing, I told you last week that lost simply means that something's not where it's supposed to be found, right? Not where it's supposed to be. But, once again, Jesus came to put him back in his right place, his right position. I try to go, Mr. Meow, I need some chopsticks up in here. <laughs> right? That, that, I'm getting away from that thing. You might bite me. Um, anyways, get my thoughts back. That that it's um, basically that he, he's saying, look, I came to put you back in your rightful place. So. Understand this, when you go all in is when you get back in your rightful place. It's where you're supposed to be. It's where you belong. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, if we can, let's just close our eyes. Listen, we were praying in the back and and I want to say something then Angelo's going to come say a few things. I just want you to kind of close your eyes and and when he's done, and I, I'm going to pray for you. We're not going to make a, a big spectacle out of anything today, but I just want, to, just want to share this with you while you're sitting there. I, I think, that this is a reminder of God's love for us. This story, ultimately, yeah, there's heart checks all in it, but it's really a really reminder of how much God loves us, and, and it's it's a reminder that it doesn't matter how long we've traveled in the wrong heart direction. Man, God can always turn it around, right? That's never too late to get a new start. It's never too late to uh, you know set our life back in motion with God, and uh, you know. But the truth is, at the at the heart of this. Um, you know, Angel's going to talk about breakthrough in a second, but to get breakthrough, man, a lot of times it requires repentance, it requires surrender, it requires obedience, and it requires us to make some decisions. So today, my, my prayer for us today is that we would make some decisions. In fact, if I could add one more verse in this. In Acts chapter nine, when we know this guy named Saul who was persecuting Christians and he was killing them, throwing them in jail, uh, we know that he had an encounter on Damascus Road. He saw a bright light, fell to the ground, and, and notice a key thing that he said, and this is really what it means to go all in. He looked up at Jesus, blind as a bat, and he said, Lord, what would you have for me to do? That's real salvation. Lord, now what do you want to do with my life? I'm yours.
1: As, as we were praying this morning before service, God had spoken to my heart and said, tell this people that I'm the Lord of the breakthrough. I'm the Lord who can take you into that promised land. When the pastor was talking about are we all in. He's the one who wants to take us into that promised land. He's the Lord of the breakthrough. And in our hearts and in our minds, we say, how can that be? How can I be all in? I have a ball and chain tied to my, to my leg and I have to drag that with me wherever I go. But the Spirit of the Lord would say, I'm the Lord of the breakthrough. I will take you in. The giants that are in that land, you will slay them. You will take them down. And I am the Lord of the angelic armies. And the Lord said, "Both." And as we were praising, doing our praise and worship, Jen was singing about our children coming home. And that was the first thing that God said He would do. He'd be Lord of the breakthrough, and I will bring your children home from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Who are you to fear about them? I will bring them home. So God is going to do that today. He ha- He's the Lord of the angelic armies. And, and soon we're gonna stand up. We'll there'll be people up here praying. And if you need prayer, we can pray with you and release and go to God and release those angelic armies to bring your children, your loved ones back to serving God, no matter where they are, nothing's impossible with God. All things are possible, and we're all in.
0: Let's stand to our feet. Just keep our eyes closed. Holy Spirit, we just give you room today in our hearts, and uh, we just ask in this moment that you would just show us. Uh, Maybe the part where we're not all in, the part we've surrendered, that we haven't surrendered. Maybe the parts where we uh, have inverted the gospel. And Lord, we just ask today, God, that you would come and that you would begin to speak really clear, really direct to our hearts today. And uh, Father, my prayer today is that just us in this room, that we would just say, uh, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I give it to you. God, I'm all in. Lord, I pray, God, today that you would just uh, allow us to have a moment of just fresh commitment with you. And, uh, Lord, to say where you go, we go. Wherever he wants to go, God we will go. Whatever he wants to say, we'll say it. Whatever he wants to do, we'll do it. Lord, that our lives are are yours, they're not our own. So I'm just going to take a second here, give you about 30 seconds. Just have a moment with him. Whatever words you want to use, just go all in, please. Jesus my life it's really simple just say Jesus I'm yours I'm yours I receive you and I ask you to come and be the Lord and Savior of my life Father, we thank you today for hearing us Lord you said in your word God that if we cry out to you Lord that you would hear us and so Lord today we have faith that you heard us while we prayed and Lord we just ask God whatever that prayer was God that you would meet us there and God that by your grace that you would help us to do what you've called us to do so Jesus one more time we just say our lives are yours we honor you we love you in Jesus name amen thank you for joining us
1: today Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.